and Jill. Welcome to the weekly Mia Thrives podcast, where we talk to those living life to the fullest, living with the rare skin disease, epidermolysis bullosa. We hope you weigh in on our Facebook forum where the conversation continues. Let's talk thriving with EB. Hey guys, and welcome to season four of the Mia Thrives podcast. This is Emily, also here with Jill. Hi everybody. Thanks for listening. We are so happy to be here with you again. And today on the podcast, we have Sandy all the way from Melbourne, Australia. So Sandy, thank you so much for joining us um, early in your morning and in our evening. I think this is like the craziest time change that we've had so far. I know, it's been, it's been crazy. <laughs> thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, can you maybe start by telling us a little bit about um, what form of EB you have and if anyone in your family also has EB? Um, so I have dominant dystrophic um, EB. I have an older sister. Um, she's 18 months older than me who also has um, EB. Uh, she presents similarly to me, so she was born without skin on one of her legs, um, and then I was born without skin on both of my legs, and my mum also has it, but I didn't realise that she had EB as well until I learnt more about it, because um, I only found out I had EB when I was 20, um, and then my mum's um, brother and then two of his kids have it as well. Wow. So, so is there a reason um, that it was hard um, to be diagnosed with EB? Did doctors not recognize it right away? Um, so I was diagnosed at birth, I believe. Um, but because my family really believes in a lot of like natural remedies and um, <clears throat> all of those kind of things rather than genetics and doctors and all of those you know, that kind of medical world. Um, so when my sister was born, it was like a big surprise that in a country hospital, my sister was born without having skin on one of her legs. So we were, um, she was taken up to a, a city hospital and I think she stayed there for a little while, um, just getting dressings and all of that stuff. And I assume she was um, diagnosed then as well. Um, and then... They went home and then by the time that I was born, 18 months later, I had a similar problem. So born without skin on both legs. Um, but at that stage, because mum had so much practice um, doing the dressings and all of that kind of stuff, we didn't really stay in the hospital for that long. And then, so I have a younger brother who I think he's like, he's about 18 months younger than me as well. But when my mum was pregnant with him, um, they went to uh, like natural health doctors and mum had all of these like herbs and stuff, um, which they said was, you know, curing her liver to like get rid of this like problem. And I say that with quotation marks. Um, and so my brother was born and he didn't have the EB or any kind of symptoms or anything. So they were like, oh, like you know, all fixed, like we've fixed the problem with all of these herbs, even though now I know that um, EB is a genetic disease and it's with dominant dystrophic, it's 50% either way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I think because my younger brother was born without 
any kind of problems or anything like that throughout childhood and, um, you know, growing up and everything. It was just as simple as, oh, you know, we've we've cured mum and we've cured whatever problems she had and we can see that because your younger brother was born without any problems. Um, so I kind of just grew up not really – I didn't know anything about EB. I didn't even know – you know anything about it I remember once I asked dad about it I was like oh does it have like a name or is it something like is it is it called anything like what we have and I remember he said oh I'm sure it had a name but I don't remember what it was and I was like oh okay that was that and I remember there was a story around because we grew up like in a um like in a country kind of area and I remember there was I remember thinking as a kid, it was the air, like the planes that um, put pesticides on all of the potato farms and that got into mum and then that got onto mum's legs. So I remember growing up thinking that's why we were born without skin on our legs, which now I think about it and I'm like, that sounds so funny, but that was my reality and that's what I believed in. Yeah. Um, and so I never went to any doctors or like any kind of nurses or anything for my legs. I literally don't remember getting any kind of treatment, um, which mum would have got some like help here and there when we were little babies. But um, I think she preferred doing it more because it wasn't very common and not many people, like there wasn't any support. No one really knew about it. So then when she was getting treatment from nurses and whatever else in the hospitals, they weren't familiar with it. Um, and we end up usually having a bit more damage than what, you know, what she could have prevented. Um, so it wasn't until I was 20 because, um, I was at a swimming pool. It was the summer holidays, which is like December and January here. <laughs> um, so I had just finished my second year of um, teaching at uni um, and I was swimming at the swimming pool and someone was like oh what happened to your legs and I was like ah oh, I was born without skin on my legs and they're like oh is that is that genetic and I was like wow what a good question I don't I don't know I was like I don't know I don't know anything about it so then I literally chased down all of my medical records I called every single doctor's surgery that I would have gone to as a child all of them were like no you've only been here for like general coughs and colds and whatever else um and I think I called like a random dermatologist that apparently I might have gone to as a kid and then I called the Monash hospital which is um the hospital that we went to when we went to Melbourne and I actually don't remember how I got the information or who gave me this information um but I got I got a confirmation that I had been treated there for skin problems um and I think that's when someone first said EB to me and I was like oh okay and then I reached out to um Deborah so I I remember calling and I was like these people aren't giving me Oh, and I may, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was like, I, these people won't help me. And like, they won't give me any of my information. Like I'm trying to find out all of this stuff. And the, and the, um, Deborah lady, she's so wonderful. She was like, no, like you need to find it. She was like, you, you need to find the truth. You need to like be able to have access to your own medical records. Um, and then I found them, um, 
and I think there were only little, little bits and pieces because um, obviously it was like 20 years ago so there was basically nothing um, and then I think after that I went to a GP and I was like telling them all of this stuff which was like all it would have all been a bit of a jumble like there was potato palms and <laughs> and the skin and there's no skin on my legs and now look what's on my legs and I think I have this disease and he was like I remember he he wasn't very nice it was just like one of those bulk billing kind of doctors and he was like okay okay well I can I can give you a referral to this dermatologist and I was like oh thank you so much <laughs> Thank you, that's very kind, wonderful. And so I went to this dermatologist um, in the city and I remember it would only have been like a couple, like I, I remember I was still in um, uni holiday, so it was only like a couple months after. And I went to see this guy and he was very fancy, like he was a really fancy kind of doctor. You know, those people that like act like they're really fancy and he was like yes well I think that you have this um la 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 and he he was the one that said you have um dominant dystrophic EB and I was like okay and I was like okay okay and then he was like I want to see your mum as well I was like okay so then um he like looked at my skin at that appointment and I actually didn't think he really did anything. I think he just kind of like looked here and there at my like little cracked feet and like blisters and whatever else everywhere. Um, and I, re I remember he was like, so what do you do like with this blister? Like, cause I have like a spot on my leg that I have big blisters and because like I've been myself, like as a, like by myself, I don't. I didn't know what I was doing. Now I'm a nurse. Like I know what I'm doing now. Um, <laughs> but like growing up, I he was like, "Oh, so what do you do? Like when you have a blister?" And I was like, "Well, um, sometimes I pop it. Sometimes I like chop all the skin around off it, which is very graphic. But like I feel like when you have wounds and things all the time, you." I don't know, I'm a bit more, I was always a bit more rough with it. Like I was never really careful. I was like, ah, you know, like no big deal. Like I'll just chop skin off here and there. Like it wasn't a big problem, but he was like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I won't do that. Um, and a memory actually came to me like not long ago as well. I, cause I was a really active kid. I used to climb a lot of trees. I used to get so many like wounds, like riding bikes and whatever. Um, and I remember we had this, our driveway was like an old dirt driveway. And I remember having a really big wound, like, I don't know. It was, I had a wound on my leg and I remember literally it was weeping, like, you know, like the weeping that comes out of it. And I remember, remember literally putting dirt, I put dirt on my wound to stop it, from, to dry it out and oh. stop it from weeping. Um and you know just things like that like I remember I used to have blisters and you know how you pop your blisters so they don't grow yeah yeah I remember I used to I used to like make them like bigger I don't maybe I, I know lots of people experience a lot of pain with EB but sometimes I feel like my pain threshold is really high because I'm so used to having all yeah. of these wounds. but like I remember as a kid when I used to have a little blister on my shin I used to like make it bigger 
and like pop it like it didn't used to pop like they kind of like spread and I remember used to make it bigger um and I used to draw little faces around it and like make the um blister be like a little big like a big red nose I don't know I have memories of ways that I used to dress my wounds which now that I think back at it as a nurse I'm like oh my god how did you have no infections but yeah oh my gosh that's when he said the dirt thing I'm like oh my gosh an EB doctor would have like a heart attack because <laughs> yeah and it's like one of like I feel like one of the scariest things in the youth. one of the biggest things yeah I never I never had any infections I I because like I've literally only started having um like I went to my first EB specialist doctor literally this year um because after I got my like diagnosis um so that was when I was 20 now I'm 25 and what learning that it was a genetic you know condition I was like oh my god this is really overwhelming and I kind of just um you know stopped thinking about it and I just kind of you know I had to absorb all of that information because literally my whole life I've been told that I have no skin because of potato farms and now I'm finding out that I have a genetic condition that's going to affect you know future children Mm -hmm. um so that was really overwhelming but it wasn't until end of last year that I was speaking to my like a really nice GP she's so lovely and I was like oh I think I want to do genetic testing and all of these things because I don't know anything about um this EB that I have and it's never been confirmed genetically like I I like if I could get genetic tests done um and so we did all of that I got genetic testing um towards the start of this year and so that was all confirmed and then I was referred onto the um EB clinic at the Royal Melbourne in like it's a big hospital at um in Melbourne, obviously, because it's where I'm <laughs> <Melbourne. laughs> um, And so I saw a dermatologist there and she was really nice and we had a bit of a chat. Um, and when I say bit of a chat, I was literally, I, I was in, I saw her for like an hour and a half um, and we are just like kind of talking and we like looked at my skin and, you know, whatever else and we made different kind of referrals. Um, and then I met the EB nurse for the first time like last week um and it's just funny like thinking about all of these specialists and like how much they know about different you know different EB things and I'm like wow I was really rogue putting dirt in my wounds (laughs) as a child (laughs) wow but like you know that's just yeah that's for the that you just didn't know right wow yeah I didn't know yeah we didn't know part of me like can't help but wonder though like yeah, like if that actually like helped boost your immune system because that's pretty like insane <laughs> that you like have had an infection like I've never yeah I've never had an infection I wonder if um I wonder if country living and constantly having all kinds of s- stuff in my wounds made me really strong I don't know <laughs> not recommending to put dirt in people's <laughs> I do not recommend maybe put a dressing over it to stop it from weeping don't fill it with dirt to dry it up other than um like siblings like your sister and um like cousins have you met anybody in the eb community or like found support through Um, the eb community 
I found support in the EB community online, mm-hmm. um, but I I don't think I, I haven't met anyone with EB. Um, I feel like it's such a small time that I've been in the community as well, and it's such a small, you know, amount of people that are a part of it, and we've been in lockdown for, like, the last two yeah. years. So I feel like it's been hard to, like, learn about it. I was going to go to the um, – Deborah was holding, like, conferences and stuff um, back in August, but that was obviously all cancelled. But, yeah. yeah. Well, we found each other online. I think we found each other online. I found a few people online. Yeah. And it's funny, you're from Canada. Um, I have a few, like, there's people from all over the world, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it's because they're all, like, young young women, you know. It's kind yeah. of nice. It's, like, I always get so excited when I find, like, someone new on Instagram. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And when I, like, found your profile, I'm like, oh, my gosh. This model has DDEB. <laughs> we have the same, like we have the same DDEB. We're like, oh my yeah. god, oh my god, so cool, it's so exciting! It's so exciting, and I love looking through um, people's Instagrams. I'm like, oh my god, you have toenails like me, <laughs> like funny toenails, or like you have um, like big scars on your legs, or wherever else. I'm like, oh my god, you like me twins that's what Mia always gets so much out of that when she can see like older you know girls or women and their pictures and she's like she has you know she has her fingernail looks like mine and she just gets yeah she just she just immediately falls in love with that person and and they're they're her butterfly friend like she just there's an automatic connection that that she has to to anyone that she sees it's nice yeah it's so sweet it's when I because my um my mom's family that over in the Philippines and I met, I met like all of my family when I went over there um, for my 21st. And when I saw my little cousins and they have, I think they have um, like funny fingernails. And I remember they were like, Oh my God, like you have the same nails. And I was like, Oh my gosh, twins. So exciting. <laughs> um, so it's really nice. And I think when I, I think, when I was little, if I saw someone who had something similar to me, that would have made me feel so much better. Like, you know, like someone who, someone outside of my my family who was just, you know, living their life and they had funny fingernails and scars all over their legs and no toenails to paint. Like it would have been so nice to see that. Like there's something just so comforting about it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's like, like a sense of community and that like, you're not the only one there's other yeah people you're not the only one there's something special about it because I also didn't really have that like I well Melissa the founder of Mia Thrives is the first person the first like woman I met with DBEB which was like a lot of fun because I'm like oh my gosh this is so cool like <laughs> we had like our EB is like quite similar and mm-hmm. was also kind of like both more severe when we were younger and anyway so it's it's just interesting to like be able to talk to people and relate about things too that like average people don't talk about in their day-to-day life or you know like draining blisters or oh yeah this fingernails like feels like it's gonna fall off soon (laughs) or just like yeah random things that like you know other people with EB or people who know people with EB like like get um so I'm just curious with your like 
DDEB, was it also like kind of more severe as a child and improved with age or um, do you find that it's just been like the same or? I think, so when I was a, um, when I was a baby and, uh, you know, throughout my little small childhood, I think it was a lot worse, um, obviously, because my skin was growing. Um, I think throughout childhood, maybe I don't remember very much of it, but um, I I did, I remember having a lot of blisters and lots of wounds and things, but, um, but you know, it was never really a big deal because I kind of just managed it. Like I just kind of dealt with it and, mm -hmm. you know, they did their own thing. Um, and I was probably a lot more active as a kid running around and bumping myself, which I don't do as much now. Um, my skin now, I still have, um, I have, which the dermatologist calls scaled, scaled feet or some, scaled feet, which I had never heard that word. And the word scaled just made me feel really funny all over. But um, I have really cracked feet, which I, um, you know, they're constantly cracked and constantly dry. Um, and I feel like that is a little bit of a problem spot for me. And then on my shin, I had up until literally like last year or the year before, I was getting constant blisters. Um, it would blister and then be a wound and then, maybe be healed for like a couple of weeks and then come back again. Like it was like a constant kind of area that I would have. But over the last year, I haven't had any, you know, I haven't had any problems, but I don't know if that's related to lockdown and really not doing very much um, or if it's just my skin. I kind of, I feel like it kind of goes up and down in waves. It's definitely better as an adult compared to when I was small and yeah. Does the heat affect you at all? I don't know. I think so. Cause I know they say that, um, heat makes it worse. I think it makes, it definitely makes my feet a lot worse, but then also when it's cold, I feel like it's not very good because with the heaters and the, it's cold outside and with all of the temperature changes, I feel like it's not very good then either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like cold really affects me too. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, all round kind of the same, but heat definitely makes my skin probably um, a little bit worse, but not too, too bad. Mm -hmm. So Sandy, can you tell us a little bit about um, your, sort of your career and how it's impacted by having EB or, or if so, and um, you know, anything related to that? We'd love to hear about that. Um, okay. So I, my main job is I am a registered nurse. Yes. I should have said careers, <laughs> um, actually. <laughs> my main my main job is I'm a registered nurse. I um, so I only started my first year out of uni was last year. Um, so back when I found out that I had EB, I was studying teaching. But after I found out all about those kind of things, um, it opened up some conversations with my mum about what it was like and um, what her experience with the all of the medical things was like. And she was, um, she is someone who doesn't speak English as her first language, um, is Asian, um, 
was struggling having, you know, these kids that didn't have any skin and she had a really hard time with the whole medical world. Um, and it just made me feel really sad that that was her experience and that kind of, that really pushed me into going into nursing because I was like, I feel like there should, I, I wanted to be someone that was able to support people who weren't really able to speak up for themselves um, for whatever reason, you know, culturally or like they physically, they can't speak up. Um, so that led me into doing nursing, which is really nice. Um, so with my nursing, I feel like I just try not to bump myself on things like beds and whatever else so I don't hurt myself. Being on my feet all day, um, it probably makes my cracks a little bit worse. But as I said, I've kind of got used to a lot of those, um, you know, aspects of my body. So it probably does affect me, but, you know, I just kind of get on with it all. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, so that's that. Um, and so then I also am a model. I um, work with an agency. I've been with them for uh, a bit over two years now. Um, so I started doing that a long, like quite a few years ago, maybe like maybe when I was 19, maybe I started doing that just at, um, back in the country, just doing little bits and pieces. Um, I remember it was a boutique that was um, trying to get models in and I was, I, I applied mm -hmm. and I posted a photo and I, I kind of just, I've always been interested in the modeling world because I, I really liked magazines and all of those kind of things when I was a kid. And I remember when I flicked through, um, you know, I'm 25 now and when I was looking at them when I was um, a teenager I remember I was looking at the photos and I was like well there's women from different races which I know there's not a, not enough still but um, there's women from different races different skin colors um, different body types and different weights and I was like but the thing that they all have in common is they all have you know perfect skin I was like mm -hmm. well is that something that I should have I, is that like is that the baseline for what it is to be beautiful like is that um you know I don't have that like what is does that you know like it kind of made me feel like is that something that I should have but I don't and I literally couldn't change that part of me um so getting into modeling I just yeah I just wanted to not only enjoy myself and do something a little bit different but I wanted to also represent myself in a way that I didn't see myself represented um which is really nice um so now I do more commercial kind of modeling um and it's always really exciting when I see my scars in campaigns and I'm like oh you didn't edit them out like <laughs> that's really exciting um like you usually it's my big leg scars um that I get really excited about but because they're usually like quite dark and or um, purple or whatever else my scars feel like being. Um, or if I am doing fashion things and I'm wearing sandals and you can see that I don't have toenails, I'm like, oh, that's really nice. 
which I'm sure no one notices those things other than me. But I'm like, oh, my no toenails are in that photo. Like, that's you know, so sweet. You know, <laughs> definitely notices though. Yeah. Other kids, other people. Yeah. You know, like those who are gonna yeah. see that and be like, yes. Yeah. Who are yes. finally represented? Who are finally represented? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's really nice, but um, that whole journey has been. I think it's been a bit like quite a bit of an eye-opener. I remember when I first got into it um, and I did a few shoots and they edited out my scars for the first time and I was like, oh, my God, like all of my traumas are coming up. Like this isn't what people want, you know, like there really is something wrong with me. Um, But I feel like over the years if my legs have been edited in whatever way or um, there was a time that I was doing a shoot not that long ago and they were like oh we just need a bit of makeup on your legs and I was like okay no worries and it like thinking back if that was me like 10 years ago if someone said that I need makeup on my legs I would have probably broken down in tits because I was already so self-conscious about it but now I'm like you know like that's a part of me and I've accepted um my skin for what it is um and you know, if it doesn't suit a campaign, that's fine. But I fully support all of my scars being in whatever photos. Um, but, yeah, it's nice. I think I've come a long way in terms of accepting my own scars. Um, Emily, you probably know, you probably read my Instagram post, but I didn't show my legs um, to anyone until I was, like, 15, <laughs> like, at school. I used to wear um, stockings or pants every single day. I think I showed, like, a couple of friends in secret, like, oh, look at this, like, secret thing that I have on my legs. Like, it's very secret. And they'd be like, oh, oh, like, that's oh. a bit, like, oh, <laughs> looks sore. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and, like, when I got blisters and things at school, I literally used to let it bleed and dry up um, either on my stockings or onto my pants. And then when I got home from school, I'd take off my stockings and just rip all of my skin off um, from the wound that I'd created that day. Um, And I remember when I wore short socks the first time to school, my friend, my friend, oh, he's such a nice friend. He was like, he's like, oh, Sydney, you're wearing um, short socks today. And I was like really shy. I was like, yeah you know yeah yeah he was like cool that's really great and I was like yeah it is it is really great um and you know it kind of went on from there and just going through accepting it and people being like oh you know what happened to you and me telling them the story about the potato farm (laughs) and then (laughs) um (laughs) and um people being like oh will you get plastic surgery on it and I would say well, yeah, I'll get plastic surgery on my scars. Like, I know, like, it's so awful that I have these scars. But now I think back and I'm like, actually, like, no, I'm not going to get surgery on my scars. Like, these are great. Um, And I'm kind of at the point now that, you know, I can have people look at them and poke them, maybe not poke too hard, but, you know, look at them and, you know, put makeup and things on them and I don't feel sad about it. Like, it, it doesn't affect me in the way that, I have felt sad about myself throughout my whole growing up period. So it's nice. That's and amazing. here I am. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it too. I love seeing your photos. I'm pretty sure like how I found you on Instagram was through 
like a post for, I can't remember if it was like EB Awareness Week or Rare Disease Day or something, but I think I found Mm -hmm. it through that, like one of those hashtags, because I like like looking and being like, oh, who else is on here? I do that too. (laughs) And then I was like, oh my gosh, like when I read your posts and like saw your photos, like I, well, I felt very relatable to it because I also like totally hid like my legs for so long. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it was just so nice because I was like, oh my gosh, so similar. It's so crazy. (laughs) Same, Same thing, opposite side of the world, but it's, um, yeah. That's the other thing with the EB community, like, uh, we're completely different lives, you know, completely different places in the world, but the experiences that we have is so similar. Yeah. Um, It's really nice. Totally. Actually, I have another question about you um, from Instagram. I've seen your beautiful butterfly tattoo, and I was curious if that tattoo had anything to do with... It did. (laughs) Yeah, it did. Um, I... So when did I get that? I think it was 2018. So maybe I was 23. And so that was kind of the point that I, um, you know, I'd learned a little bit about EB. Um, I learned that it was butterfly and I was like, that's really nice. Um, so then I got that because of that. Yeah. Really exciting. Love that. I think when the, um, I think when the tattoo artist, I don't think I really taught him anything about it, but I I really like this butterfly and he was probably like, cool. I like it too. It tattooed me, but like it has a nice meaning for me. It's nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. I've seen it too. I may have, I may go on your Instagram a lot. It's just, just <laughs> oh my gosh, so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, we also want to congratulate you so much on your pregnancy. Thank you. So, so many babies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, I am, I'm 17 weeks tomorrow. Um, we're having a little girl. It's very exciting. Oh my Um, goodness. Yeah. Um, so the pregnancy, it was not planned. Um, and my partner and I talk about this like over the last, so we first went to the genetic people back in, um, November, um, and that whole process probably ended um, maybe end of May and June and learning all about EB um, was really, really overwhelming for me, especially like probably, like both of us, um, but just absorbing all of that information because I hadn't spoken to any specialists about it before, um, learning about all of that kind of stuff was re- I felt really overwhelmed with it because I kind of thought, you know, like my experience was the only experience. Like I didn't realise that there was such a broad range of people that have um, dominant dystrophic EB and, you know, you can be at any end of the spectrum with all of that kind of stuff um, and you don't know how bad it's going to be or like how fine it's going to be, but you don't know how it's going to present until birth. Um so I found that whole process really overwhelming, but we kind of, you know, dealt with that and we kind of only just had dealt with that and then we started buying a house and then we started dealing with that <laughs> um, and, you know, all of the stress that comes with buying a house. So we moved straight onto that um, and that settled in July 
And then it was literally three days after that I found out that I was pregnant and we were both like, oh my God, what is happening? Like <laughs> what is actually going on? Like we dealt with all of this like stressful genetic counseling, all of these specialists, you know, learning about a disease that I had have had my entire life um, for the first time ever. Um, and then buying a house for the first time and then finding out that I'm pregnant. I was like, oh my God, this is what is actually happening. Um, but obviously both really, really excited. Um, so we spoke to my GP about all of the EB stuff. Um, and she referred me on to my hospital, um, quite early on. And I, she was like, Oh, you might not hear from them, you know, until however, however late people usually like, she was like, Oh, they usually don't have an appointment until 12 weeks or something. And then they called me the next day and I was like, Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. How are you? Um, and, but that was really good because then I was able to organize all of my, um, CVS I ended up getting a CVS um which had quite a few appointments and things leading up to it um and which was really stressful in itself so we had them done at 12 weeks um but I think we had to get a blood test at 10 weeks or like as soon as we possibly could so then the um lab could start making up a test for us but it was really lucky that I did end up doing all of the genetic testing earlier in the year because that made it possible for me to actually have the CVS test because that probably wouldn't have been available to me if I didn't have a genetic test at all. So it kind of worked out that it was just a lot all at once. Um, but, yeah, that was yeah. that. Um, and so we received our CVS test results I think, I think we waited like two and a half weeks. Um, and then that came back as the baby being affected with the gene. Um, but obviously we won't know what it's like until the baby's actually born. But I think when she said, so she called, actually I called her first. I called the genetic counselor first. I was like, hi, just waiting for my results. And they didn't have them yet. So they called me back a couple of hours later and she was like, oh, we have the results. And she was like, she said, oh, the, it does look like the baby's affected with the gene. And I was like, oh, okay. Just like, it, it was a very certain kind of, I don't know if I'd call it overwhelmed, but it felt overwhelming, but I kind of expected it, but I hoped that I wouldn't have to um, hear that news. And then she said, oh, there's another bit of news that we're not sure if you want to hear. And then I was like, oh, is the baby still a girl? And then she said yes, <laughs> um, which was nice as well. It was, you know, it was just we had I had a big cry about it, and we told our family and whatever else. Um, and yeah, that's that. We're just trying. I'm, I'm. We're both trying to just kind of hope for the best, but in some ways, it kind of feels a bit like throughout childhood. I feel like my mum got the brunt of all of the wound dressings and all of the bad kind of part of us growing up, which I don't remember any of it. But now it feels like all of that, that part of the story is going to be my part as well, which 
it's just, it's just something that I'm just going to have to deal with. Like, I feel, I feel like I'd be very capable. I've dealt with dressings and wounds and things throughout my life. Maybe not in the best way, but I feel equipped as a nurse now that I would be able to um, handle that. And we have a lot of family and everyone around us that would be able to support us. But yeah, it's just, here we are. Crazy. It's like, wow. Sometimes life just all happens at once, eh? Like, <laughs> all at once. All at once. I feel this. Like, becoming yeah. pregnant with EB, too. It's not just like, oh, congratulations, you're having a baby. It's like, okay, you're having yeah. a baby. Well, now you have to make all these decisions about it. Yep. Do you want this test? Do you want this test? Like, and it's, it's like, a, a lot, like, to think about it and process and decide and, like, which decision yep. is best for, you know, like, it's a lot. But how it's amazing you know that, like, your daughter now is going to, you know, have you as a role model to look up to and you know so many other people in the EB community and I feel like after dealing with EB you're the best person to Mm. help your daughter with her EB and you know I think when people um people that haven't experienced EB like in our circle um outside of my family I think when they when they think about EB, they're like, oh, you know, if anyone, um, if anyone says anything to her about her scars, I'll, I'll say something to them. Or um, if anyone makes her feel upset about her scars, I'll say, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that. But I just, I feel like for me growing up, it was such a long, drawn out experience um, of, you know, you have like having to accept your own body for what it is um and I just you know it's just such a long process of really accepting who you are and like really um embracing all kinds of the body that you do have um so yeah it'll be good it'll be good to see someone so small and cute but it's funny when people are like oh like are you excited like are you worried about the birth and like deep down I'm like oh my god I'm will it have skin? Will she have skin? Where will her skin be? You know, like it's um, different kind of things that people without EB would, they wouldn't have to think about that. But I feel in a way, I feel lucky that we're able to be prepared because I know a lot of people with EB, um, it's kind of a surprise. So Mm -hmm. it's nice that we, um, what we're, what we're up against <laughs> yeah yeah know what to prepare for and yeah ready for it whatever whatever it will be hmm. I know that yeah. um Melissa you know with Melissa and Mia both having EB um I know that's been really great for Mia having a mom who who has EB and and they have this shared experience and it's so cute they actually have a a puppy that this girl puppy named Rainbow that uh, Mia named her, that has um, like a skin condition, like she's got, it's just like allergies, but Mia believes that she also has EB. So she says, all the girls in our family have EB. And she thinks it's just the most, so the fact, the shared experience, you know, and, and now Mia, as she gets a little older, she can help her mom with her bandaging. And then it's just this, you know, and it's, it, it, I think for Melissa, like Melissa, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's really cute to watch them and their connection that they have. 
it's um mm. yeah it's pretty special because it's such a niche thing like who what kind of child would um you know have bandage dates with their mum like yeah it's not it's not a common yeah. kind of thing <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so yeah yeah exactly very niche thing maybe <laughs> do you have any advice or anything that you would like to like say to the next generation of butterfly kids um so advice that I would give to a young child with EB uh, is that they're normal and that people stare because they're curious I remember when people used to look and stare or ask questions I would be like oh my god they're looking they can see what I'm meant to be hiding um I would get really sad about it because it would just be another way that I would feel not normal um but I think if I knew back then um that you know people look because they are curious and they want to know different things because we're curious humans um that I think it would have been a lot easier but when I was starting to show my legs that's something that I used to tell myself and I think it got me through I yeah I think you're normal and yeah people look because they want to know what's up that's it love it yeah and um we love asking this to everyone on the podcast um what does like thriving thriving with eb mean to you thriving with eb means to me um just living in a way that you feel good about yourself um whether that means you know wearing what you like or doing the things that you like even if you might get a little bit of a bump um you know just living the way that you want to live regardless of um external things perfect love it well sandy thank you so much for joining us on the mia thrives podcast we absolutely loved um hearing your story and um in the notes we will put a link to your um, instagram page um and we hope to maybe have you on a future podcast um, to share about your daughter and about your growing family um and we're just so excited for you um and thank you again for joining us thank you for having me it's been really great thank you so much much. um to the listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye, Bye. everybody.